great future. We're talking real money. And talking real money with you today, eh, just me. Hi, everybody. Don McDonald here. Tom Cock is taking the day off to attend a friend's wedding. Or friends, friends, I don't know. Somebody's wedding. It's a destination wedding. Poor soul has to hang out in Arizona. I know you all feel for him, particularly all of you in the Seattle area. Hi, everybody. Don McDonald here and you there. And we want to talk about something that uh, all of us deal with all the time. Whether we have enough of it or not is another thing. We're going to try to help you have more of it, and that it is money. And if you want to talk with me today about money, I encourage you to call right now at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Just us, just you, me, and of course a few thousand people listening. 855-935-8255. And we talk about stuff that's important and also stuff that, you know, maybe it didn't even occur to you. And and this is something that even though I've lived through all these things really didn't occur to me uh, until a recent study that was discussed in the Wall Street Journal. And this study showed that bad economic events tend to follow a period of low interest rates and then a big hike in rates that immediately followed. And it's interesting to look through the list because it does follow. I mean, clear back. And and the thing is, is we don't have a lot of great long-term interest rate data on all kinds of like mortgages and everything. But if we go, let's just go back for most of our lives, adult lives. Um, and I remember this really, really well. Back in the 1980s, the entire U.S. savings and loan industry fell into an, ex- an extended period of trouble. It, it ended up killing the entire savings and loan industry. The whole thing pretty much went broke. And it was a slow motion collapse. And uh, it, it eventually cost hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out all of the uh, depositors. And it all came about because savings and loans were paying... Uh, They weren't able to get the deposits they needed because they were regulated, and they were also making long-term fixed-rate mortgages because people figured that rates could go higher. And they did, and uh, it, it, uh, it caused this collapse that I remember distinctly when I lived in Colorado. Real estate, some pieces of real estate, condominiums particularly, dropped by 60% over the course of a few years. So for those who say real estate can't go down, yeah, it, it can go down. And then in 1984, there was another spike in in uh, treasury yields. They went up to 13% from about 10% a year earlier, and that caused what was called later the biggest too-big-to-fail too bank, which was Continental Illinois. Again, a lot of people don't remember it, but they got in big trouble because they were, they were lending money at 16%, well, the prime rate was 20. So they were losing 4% on every loan they wrote. Then in 1987, same thing. That crash in 87 was in part due to rising interest rates. They jumped in just a few months from 75 to 10%. Boom. Caused the market to panic. And it's different things that happen along the way. In 2000, we saw something very... Actually, I forgot about 94. In 94, rates doubled in a year. And that caused 
uh, Orange County, California to go bankrupt. And Wall Street brokerage firms got in trouble. Kidder Peabody failed. And then we had a nice period of lower rates again. Then they inflated again in 2000, which along with the internet bubble caused the market to take a beating. Happened again. We had a long, long, long period of falling rates during the 2000s because the U.S. economy wasn't doing that well. The market, the U.S. stock market was doing horribly. So rates kept falling in that weak economy scenario. They fell a lot. And over that period of time, people took on, they were buying real estate because real estate was the one thing that was going to bail you out. They were buying real estate like mad and they kept buying and buying, but they were buying it with adjustable rate mortgages. And then when rates went up, boom, the bottom fell out and people went bankrupt. And we may be experiencing something similar right now. But in all of these stories, the same lesson comes out. And we'll cover that right after this. Tom and Don are talking real money. Do you suffer from hodgepodgeitis? I'm Don McDonald, and hodgepodgeitis is a disease of your investment portfolio whose symptoms include lots of stocks, loads of random loaded mutual funds, and maybe an annuity or two. Most who suffer from hodgepodgeitis dread opening their quarterly portfolio statements. They feel lost and confused. Investing seems overwhelming and the financial future uncertain. If you believe you suffer from hodgepodgeitis, see a 100% fiduciary investment advisor immediately. A proper diagnosis is the first step to creating a portfolio with a purpose based on a personal plan. Start on the road to recovery now by scheduling a free meeting with an Appella advisor at TalkingRealMoney.com. There is no cost, obligation, or high-pressure sales pitch. Take the first step at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. Hodgepodgeitis is not a real disease, but treating it has been shown to improve mood, reduce fear, and even lead to a brighter financial future. Results may vary. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. You know, it appears, and this was based on a recent study that was done uh, in Europe, that downturns economically, problems economically, little crises uh, economically tend to occur or have occurred in the past following periods of low rates and then a big jump in rates like we just had. We've recently had a big jump from near zero rates, short-term rates, near zero, to five plus, you know, treasuries are almost all treasuries are yielding right around 5%. That's a big jump from zero to five. I mean, you know, it's like almost incalculable. And we did see some bad things occur following that increase early on when uh, two banks failed, First Republic and Silicon Valley Bank. We don't know what else we're going to see or if that was it. We just don't know. That's the th- We don't know what the future is going to bring. But there's something really interesting about this. Oh, and by the way, what we saw in 2020, 21, 22, the low, low, low interest rates was the biggest aberration in the history of the United States. Those rates were not normal. I'm looking at a chart that New York Life did going back to 1798 when the, uh, the, the very first U.S. bank started, the National Bank. And uh, rates back then were about eight. And they dropped continuously from there as the country developed. 
In the uh, the 1860s, they were in the four to five percent range. In the 1940s, they dropped down to 1.7, which was the lowest in the late 1940s. Then, by 1981, they rose to almost 16 percent, and down to well, as you know, near zero recently. And now they're back up to the five range. But mortgage rates, we can only really track mortgage rates well going back to 1971 when the Fed started tracking them. And the lowest rates have ever, the lowest mortgage rates have ever been in that period was in 2022 when Tom and I just luckily both refinanced our 30 year mortgages at about two and a half percent. That's as low as they've gone. In 1981, mortgage rates hit their peak, and many of you probably remember this, of 18.6%. And that's from the St. Louis Fed. Right now, we're at about 7.5%, which is the low end of normal. The low end of normal. But because of the fact that they went so low, we got accustomed to feeling what low rates felt like and now they feel so awful at seven and a half, which is historically not a terrible rate. I remember taking out mortgages at much higher rates. And the lesson, the moral of this story is we tend to get accustomed to the status quo over a very brief period of time, historically, even economically. And we project from that point into the distant future. For years, people said, well, rates aren't going to go up. They're going to stay low. They never stay low. When rates were way up, they said they're just going to keep going up. They're never going to go down. Well, they never stay up. They move up. They move down depending on the perceptions of all of the various people who play the markets day-to-day, who are making bets on the movements of interest rates, for example, or bond prices, which move in the opposite direction of interest rates. They're betting day-to-day, minute-by-minute, second-by-second. And they're doing it in massive numbers. So you can feel right about what's happening right now, but you don't know where anything is going to go. But the one thing you do know is that they'll fluctuate. Interest rates will fluctuate. Stock prices will fluctuate. Economic conditions will fluctuate. Problems will happen. And there'll be problems that you didn't even imagine. You can't even prepare for them because you don't know what they're going to be. But it is the norm. Well, when we see all of this fluctuation and we see the occasional crisis economically, it's because those businesses that got into trouble got caught up in the status quo and didn't imagine that things could change. But in the biggest picture of all, and that is investing for the long haul, 20 30 years. 10's not enough. If you remember back between the year 2000 and 2010, the U.S. stock market 
behaved badly. It, it, it couldn't get out of its own way. There were there were uh, there was basically no return in U.S. blue chip stocks. The S and P 500 actually went down slightly during that period. There was no return over a ten year period. So you can't even consider ten years long term. You have to consider long term to be twenty or thirty or forty years. And if you do that, then you have something bailing you out. You don't have to worry about all the bumps. Because you're betting on the big line. And if you look back at the big line, which is the value of businesses, which is what we're investing in, generally speaking, when we invest for the future to make money for the long haul, we're investing in the economy in some way or another. And the economy has bailed you out over a period of time because the human economy has grown. Now, could that change someday? Yeah, it could. But if it does, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is an answer. I don't think there is a good answer. There's no good answer. And remember that bond prices fluctuate up and down, but over a long period of time, they tend to be relatively flat. They have these peaks and valleys. And you can look at a chart like I'm looking at right now, and you can see those peaks and valleys. But over those extended periods of time, they tended to flatten out. Now, again, we're talking about more than a year or two or three or four or five. And you have to be always buying new bonds, which is why we talk about the concept of laddering. And now that is so effective because you're buying new bonds whatever the rates are doing at that time, which gives you that nice average return over the whole portfolio. Hard to do, very effective. And it's in essence what bond funds do. When you buy into a bond fund, they are always going out and buying new bonds and old bonds are maturing, giving them money with which to buy new bonds. So if you take a step back from all the day-to-day garbage, you'll see that There's nothing you or I can do about the fluctuation. What we can do is change our mindset. And once we change our mindset, the whole process becomes a lot easier. And if you have some specifics about your portfolio, you need a little help trying to figure out what's what. Give me a call right now. Tom's not here. He's uh, out of town for a few days. He'll be back next week, but I'm here for sure. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. That's 855-935-8255. Give me a call. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Today, you just have me. Hello, everybody. I'm Don McDonald. So glad that you could tune in, listen in, and I hope you can join me on the phones at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Call right now because it's just me. I don't have Tom to talk to. I need you. 855-935-8255. We've talked in the past a lot about target date funds. Target date funds are a great way to get into the market, to get into an investment portfolio, and then have that investment portfolio adjust along the way as you age. It's not going to adjust based on 
your personal needs or preferences or your risk profile, it's going to be more automated. It's going to adjust based on your age. As you get older, the portfolio is going to become what we call more conservative. It is going to invest more in bonds. Now, to date, target date funds have been just that, just mutual funds. That's it. Uh, they, um, they have been fine for people in tax-advantaged accounts like IRAs and 401ks. We haven't been as big a fans of them in taxable accounts because of some things that happened to Vanguard a couple of years ago when they had to rebalance the portfolio and cause people to suffer a lot of big capital gains that were realized. But there's something new out there. It's the first group of target date ETFs, exchange-traded funds. And they're from BlackRock. And they are, they're the iShares people. And they're very inexpensive. Now, the one thing they tend to be is a little aggressive. They're more aggressive than some of their fund competitors. So, for example, the, the, um, they have a 2030 fund, and that's just seven years out. And that is an 85-15 or 84-16 portfolio. 80, yeah, something like that. It's getting close to 80-20, which for a seven-year time frame is a little aggressive. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. But it might be for a lot of people. So it's it's a little bit aggressive. If you don't mind, if you're an aggressive investor, if you have a high risk tolerance uh, and, a, and a decent risk profile, you, you know, you, you're comfortable taking risk, then these things might be very appropriate and they might change over time. They do have terrific diversification, though. It's really quite good because inside these portfolios, they don't they don't uh, overweight to small or value like we like doing, but that's okay. They do give you excellent global exposure. They have a pretty appropriate U.S. international mix. They also, in many of them, have uh, – they get more conservative in that they take like emerging markets out. They stay in the stock market, but they take some of the more aggressive parts of the stock market out. And they still give you a good U.S. international delineation. They give you lots of different kinds of bonds. They give you tips. They give you a real estate fund. Uh, there is a little bit of small cap, so there's a little bit of overweight on small cap. And the lovely thing is that their fees are so low. They run from about, well, just under one-tenth of a percent to just a tiny bit over one-tenth of a percent. And they are so easy to buy in a taxable account. And because they're ETFs, they're very appropriate for a taxable account, particularly given the large amount they keep in stocks. Again, bear in mind, when they get more conservative, they tend to reduce the risk of the stock portfolio, not just go more heavily into bonds. At least right now, that's what they're doing. But these are really interesting products to look at for your taxable accounts if you want kind of a set it and forget it plan. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Tom and Don are talking real money. 
great future. We're talking real money. Hey there. Welcome back to the show. Don here. Tom not. You're there. Thanks for being there. Call me. 855-935-TALK. We'll talk about money. And let's do that right now. Um, Carl, you're up. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hey, Don, long-time uh, listener. I've been listening to you since uh, you and your mean brother, Ronald, were in a lawsuit about the McMoney website. Oh, and, my uh, gosh, that was a long I'm time not, ago. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not sure if you, <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd even moved into Celebration yet. So, I had, uh, yeah, no, I had I was, just uh, moved um, into Celebration. Just moved. Well, we hadn't okay. moved into our house, but we moved the show into Celebration because Disney kicked us out with okay. Radio Disney. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, a long time. Anyway, so um, a question I have, and, and goes going back to your kind of uh, d- discussion earlier about interest rates, um, do you think in light of how things have kind of turned now and we're out of the zero interest rate policy, you know, the yeah. Fed raising everything up, and we don't know necessarily if they're going to stop raising rates. I mean, they're hinting at it, but they say, they say, they say higher for longer. So as, as, as you and Tom talked about in prior shows, you know, people can, people can get, you know, two thirds of the stock market return in some pretty safe stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and these companies that maybe aren't the best, you know, that aren't the best companies that are out there wishing they still had super low interest rates. Now, you know, when they have to handle their debt service, you know, they're going to be kind of maybe falling by the wayside because the tide goes out, right? And the zombies aren't wearing their bathing suits. Mm-hmm. So um, the, qu- the question the question I have is, do you think that there's going to be kind of a, a resurgence in, in, in mutual fund companies that, that do stock picking mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, indexing kind of being less, less favorable because it kind of follow my logic. Yeah, no, I, I totally follow your I'm, logic, but, but Carl, it's the logic of the market timer uh, because here's the problem yeah. with it. It's never worked in the yeah. past. The, the as far back as we can track, and Standard and Poor's has been doing this for a very long time. They have found that actively managed funds have consistently doesn't matter about the market. They've consistently underperformed just buying and holding the index, and there's a really good reason for that. There was some great work done by um, uh, Hendrik Bessembinder. He's out of ASU, and he found that's a mouthful. Yeah, he found though that for only yeah, I'm a Tempe. Yeah, the best 4% of all of the companies account for the entire gain for the entire U.S. stock market. Okay. And to pick those 4% is almost impossible. But if you have that 4% in your portfolio, the other 96% can stink. And you still would have done all right because, and and this is another mistake, when we talk about the average return for stocks, if you go back to 1926, you'll see that the Uh average return for the entire U.S. stock market over that period was just under 10%. So rates at five, you're still only talking half the 100-year historic average of the stock market. 
Right. And, right. And all we're saying, yeah, Carl, absolutely. is just be the market. We, you know, you might get lucky. Sure. You might. Yeah. But you might also win if you go to Vegas. Right. Well, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I mean, I basically, you know, going back to, you know, like I said, when we list, when we, you and I used, or when I used to listen to you, you know, decades ago, you know, it was always like, uh, you know, no load and low, low expense ratios, watch out for the 12B1 fees, you know, mm-hmm. declining sales charges, ha ha ha. That's where they're going to get you, you know, get, stay the heck away from all of that stuff. And so, you know, back then it was, I, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, as far as like, I mean, ET, See, I'm still in dodging cocks from 30 years ago. Right, dodging right, cocks. right, right. No, and I, uh, I know that. And, and you know what? They haven't been terrible because they are a no-load fund. Right. But if you compare dodging, yeah. dodging cocks and all of the other funds of the day, not just them, you'll see that so like in the, aggregate, yeah. the indexes just beat the tar yeah, out of them. In aggregate, every now you'll every once in a while you'll find one that that won. But to do that consistently is just a matter of luck. And Carl, I really appreciate you listening for so long, and I do appreciate the call. Tom and Don are talking real money. In medicine, a second opinion might save your life. With investing, a second opinion might save your future. The trick is getting one without a high-pressure sales pitch. Well, I'm Don McDonald, and if you've been listening to Talking Real Money, you know that our goal is to help everyone create a brighter future by investing and managing money better. That's why, in addition to helping everyone on our show and podcast, we are also committed to making our 100% fiduciary advisors at Appella available to help everyone make the best financial decisions based on science. So if you're being pitched a financial product or a system, make sure you get a second opinion with no cost no obligation and no annoying sales pitch by going to talkingrealmoney.com or call 800-386-3004 that's 800-386-3004 or talkingrealmoney.com your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money and for all you podcast listeners out there who listen to the podcast during the week this is our opportunity once every week to get together live, as we do on Northwest News Radio in Seattle. And you can listen online, and you can call us between noon and 2 Pacific time at 855-935-8255, like Jonathan did. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Don? I'm doing quite well, sir. Thanks for calling. All righty. So I have a question. Um I'm trying to figure out how if um, if if my percentage on my deferred comp mm-hmm. is up year to date like nine point five percent or something, and yet I'm down like forty five thousand dollars. Okay, I'm confused. You're probably confused too. Um, okay, let's talk about some <laughs> real numbers for a minute. So, how much money do you have in this account? Uh, nine hundred fourteen thousand. Okay, at so this point. okay, so it's a million dollars. I was going to say, wow, you're if you're down forty five thousand um, dollars. Now you're are you down forty five of over what period are you down forty five thousand uh, dollars? Well, as of the third quarter, I was down like twenty seven, and then this last. Well, this quarter's been um, terrible. 
okay, that's probably Yeah, this why. quarter's been terrible. And the problem is you got to make sure you're comparing apples and apples. When they're talking about the return of the portfolio, they could be talking about last year's return, which is more likely than not. And then this year, you've taken a big hit. Okay. Here's another question then. So I have like um, seven different funds, um, and I was thinking about paring them down and just going to the Vanguard indexes. Mm-hmm. Is I have uh, AMG Times Square for mid cap, American Century mid cap, mm. Artisan small cap, mm. yes, two docs. <laughs> I, and, I don't uh, even have to listen to all the rest. Yes, yes. Uh, you, you need to create a an indexed type portfolio because you have overpriced actively managed funds. You do suffer from hodgepodgeitis, but the cure for hodgepodgeitis is a simpler, saner, less expensive portfolio. And you could absolutely accomplish that. Is everything in their stocks or are there any uh, fixed income positions? Uh, the only cash one I got is, uh, let's see, stable value fund. Okay, keep that. Keep that. But if Vanguard's okay. if Vanguard is available to you, then yeah, I would get in the Vanguard total market and maybe if it is available to you, a little in the Vanguard small cap value index for the stock portion of the portfolio and then just keep the stable value where it is. Simplify. Okay, because yeah, I was pretty aggressive early on but i'm getting down to the last four years oh wait you're getting down uh, to the last four years before you take the money out before i I retire yeah yeah but when are you going to start taking money out of the portfolio well i'm 60 now so i know but but uh that doesn't mean anything i'm i'm 67 i haven't taken any money out of my portfolio so you know No, um, you need to figure. This is why we harp on the plan thing. You need to know how much money you need your portfolio to create for you in retirement, and then we can determine how to invest it. You apparently have a high risk tolerance. That's what it sounds like. But still, if you're going to start taking money out, it's going to be time soon to start adjusting the mix. It doesn't have to be a dramatic adjustment. But it's probably time to start adjusting, and um, you can do that within your retirement plan by just either putting more in stable value or picking up a bond fund or something like that for a portion of the money while you're using VT for the equity portion of the portfolio. And I think simplifying is definitely in your best interest at this point. Instead of picking up a little here and a little there, a little whatever's hot, just own the market. Be happy with the market. It's it's been good to people long-term. Okay. The Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. Yes, sir. Uh, institutional shares will yep. be a, yep. and then keep the stable value yep. and then look maybe look for a bond fund. Maybe look for a bond fund or just oh. add more to stable value. But 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 sit down first and determine how much money you're going to need to take out of this portfolio and when. Okay. 
Okay. All that's right. your home. I appreciate that's your homework. You. Good luck. All right, sir. Thanks for calling, John. Appreciate it. You have a one. You too, sir. And now, Sally, it's your turn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sally. Well, she's a very high-pitched voice and sounds very beepy. Uh, okay, Sally, give me a call back. I'm here for another hour. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. I want to go back to the plan thing for a minute because I felt a little rushed. Um, the plan is not hard. This is not something you have to necessarily, if you want a very detailed plan, buy a good plan from a fiduciary. But it's the, the plan I'm talking about is literally sitting down and looking at what you're spending today, what your expenses are today, and then on a piece of paper or in a spreadsheet, looking at what your expenses are going to be in retirement, what your sources of income are going to be in retirement. Because, you know, if you, if you have expenses that will vanish, for example, one of the expenses that's going to vanish, if you're a great saver, one of the expenses that's going to go away is your contributions to your 401k. That's going to lower your cost of living right there. It's going to put more money in your pocket. Uh, and then when are you going to take Social Security? How much is that going to provide? Do you have a pension, any kind of pension income coming in? And what other sources of income might you have? And that's going to tell you how much, how much you need to start taking out of the portfolio. And then that's going to drive your portfolio allocation because you want to have more fixed income from which to draw so that you do not have to sell your equity portion in a bad market. And then when you use those bonds up, you eventually rebalance by gradually selling some of the equity position and moving that over into the bonds to replenish that part of the portfolio. So this plan is not complicated. And then, of course, to get your risk tolerance profile, simplest thing in the world is just to go to TalkingRealMoney.com, look for the risk quiz, R-I-S-Q-U-I-Z, on TalkingRealMoney.com, spend 10 minutes taking it. It's so easy. It asks you some very interesting questions. They, they tell a lot about you. And they'll give you a pretty decent idea of what your risk tolerance is. So go do it right now. TalkingRealMoney.com. And give me a call. 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And since uh, Tom decided to bail on us this week and go have fun in the sun in Arizona, uh, I think we must make him pay for that. And to uh, help make him pay, you need to go to TalkingRealMoney.com and uh, click on that Meet an Advisor button and then force Tom to meet with you. <laughs> well, only if you really need help. But go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. 
Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.